Welcome to the weekly a podcast from Calvary Bible Church, where we look to connect what, Jay? What are we looking to connect over here? Our real lives lived Monday through Saturday. Yes. Or, what? Is that right? That's pretty close. Yeah. We look to connect the events of the weekend. Oh. With our lives lived Monday through Friday. Man, even better. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey. I had a good Sunday, and I'm looking yeah. over at your journal yeah. Bible over there, the the one for First Thessalonians and this yeah, Market Up series. You took the title of this series to heart. I can't read any of the actual <laughs> text of First Thessalonians out of that thing. Yeah, you have marked that thing up like crazy. Hey, man, you know what? I love, I love that we do this. It's one of my favorite things. Hmm. And you know, to be honest, I sit in both services these days, so. You know, I get to hear two messages. Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes gotcha. they have some differences. Oh, I thought you were saying you get bored in the second no, no, one, no. so you doodle and stuff like that. No, I. this is the how I like to do my Bible anyways. Okay. But I don't like my Bible messed up this much. Mm. <laughs> so that was going to be my follow-up question. If I grabbed your Bible, yeah. which is rude, you don't grab someone else's Bible. No doubt. If, if I grabbed your Bible and I opened it up, would I find you marking that up? Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And Lisa Gaskins, God bless her, has mocked me religiously about my um, my use of the right markers, the right pens, mm. the right ruler. I use a ruler like my dad did. All right. So I don't like uns- unruled lines. Yeah. <laughs> Unruly lines. See what I did there? That's right. Yeah, that's, totally. That's good. Man, I there's a part of me that wishes. Because yeah. here, here's, uh, here's me revealing something. Yeah. I'm not a Bible writer. You're not? I don't underline. I don't mark up anything like that in there. And and I don't know what it is. Like, like it clearly is helpful. It's a good thing to do in this series. My my scripture journal is all marked up as well. Uh, But I don't know what it is. I I just, if you open my Bible, you would find no marks. Actually, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. We're telling well, stories. I don't yeah, know if we have time for this. No, Maybe we, we should put another disclaimer. Like, here's another two-hour podcast for you, <laughs> like last week. This one is all banter, though. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so here's, I have three marks in my Bible. Okay. Because I lent it to my boss. Oh. Uh, at one of the churches I worked at. Yeah. He borrowed it. And he marked up my Bible. <laughs> I would see at that moment, I would replace that Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we're supposed to forgive people. Yeah, totally. That one's hard for me. Oh, that would be really hard for me too, <laughs> man. You know what? Uh, I have really small, at times I've had really small kids around the house mm. and I'm a, always a little worried about that, you know, but um, they've been really good about staying out of my Bible and just writing on it. Because they write on everything. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, my dad did it. So that's probably a historical Mm. heritage thing of his faith. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And he had like his own key of like colors and things like that. And um, this is a long story. I'm going to make it really short though. But um, he handed me his 1984 NIV Hmm. Bible that was hardbound um, when I left for Bible college years ago. And I had this love opening it up and seeing what he wrote in those sections, seeing what he found that, you know, the Lord was doing in those. And yeah, just want to pass that on to, to my kids. And I, it's, it's a helpful way to read. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I, I love that. I love that you got the gift of the Bible, but 
even if you hadn't received that, yeah. I love the gift that you got of your dad modeling that to you and yeah. just the constant reminder to it so we can give some sort of practical instruction with it. Uh, yeah. for, for parents out there, what you are modeling to your, your child is so much more impactful than anything I or Tom or Thomas will stay, say from the stage. Yeah. I still think that's impactful. Please, please let us yeah, keep preaching. Totally. Uh, but uh, what you are modeling to your children uh, and is having such a huge impact on their right. development and their faith. And, and so you have this habit because you saw your dad's mm-hmm. trust and belief in Jesus being lived out. Oh, that's so yeah. good. Yeah, there's re- you know, um, there's someone at Calvary, too, who just recently told me, she said that she uh, does her sort of morning devotions in the living room when where the kids can actually wake up and see her. Hmm. And she said it's not very fruitful <laughs> because she gets distracted. Like they want to, you know, hang out with mom, talk yeah. to mom and things like that. But she knows that that's just a season where they can see her waking up, having that as first priority. And yeah. I, I thought that was wonderful. Like just to sacrifice your own time, you know, the own quiet time that so many moms long for in order for her kids to see it demonstrated is pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and, and love having you here as, as a dad, cause you can back me up on this, but uh, I, I recognize how much is going on in parents' life and I recognize how many directions they're pulled in. And yet the most impactful thing in, in pointing kids to Jesus is, is this, it's not having epic devotionals. Right. With, you're not like having your, your kids memorize the, the entire Bible in Latin or something like yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> nothing necessarily wrong with any of that, yeah. but it's just worshiping Jesus in front of them. Totally. Uh, and, and that is so huge. Yeah. And you know, behind the curtains of the Ewing house, when we do read the Bible at night and things like that, most often there might be a fight that breaks out or someone uh, distracts us with some antics, you know, on the floor so it doesn't, it's not perfect at all, but, uh, yeah. yeah, just trying to be consistent, man. Love it. Just and be we, consistent. And we want to continue to give people and families opportunity to model following Jesus. Do we have any opportunities coming up this summer? Oh man. What a great segue. Yeah. Let's talk about what's happening at Calvary. Man, my man in the booth has given me a 12 foot arc softball that smack over the fence. Let's see if I mess it up or not. So. What we have at Calvary coming up is Bolt, and it is for Calvary kids. It's for a backyard experience. And just between you and me, Zach, and the rest of Calvary, my home group is inviting other families, and there's talk that there might be 40 kids at this backyard experience. That's which awesome. Is nothing to do with Jay. It's not because Jay's group is awesome. It's because the women in our group have just taken it and ran with it and love the opportunity to walk their kids and their neighbors through what Jesus has for them through the bolt experience. Calvary kids go to calvarybible.com slash event register for that. Also, I heard about almost 80 kids are going to Maranatha already on the bus. So So sign up your middle school student for that. And then high school trip. Don't forget the high schoolers. The getaway is happening in the late July. So you want to sign up and get your high schoolers there. There's a lot of great ways to have Calvary come alongside you as you disciple your kids, as you start just the seeds, man. You know, at Calvary, it's all about planting seeds, helping you plant water. And guess what? Just like First Thessalonians 5, it's God who makes them grow. And uh, we just want to partner with your families and you, the listener, and how you can grow 
in your relationship with Jesus. So go to calvarybible.com slash events. There's also a bunch of other things happening for men and women and your mobile bulletin. I know the QR code years ago. You remember that thing? Mm-hmm. We we're like, who's ever going to use this? <laughs> yep. The mobile bulletin is a great place to find out what's specifically happening at your campus. So don't hesitate by going to calvarybible.com slash. You can also go this week. All right. I think it is this week. Uh, I'm making that up in my head, baby. But the mobile bulletin's on calvarybible.com. Okay. That's it. That's my announcements, my friends. And I hope that you are getting plugged in at Calvary because this is a wonderful place. Not perfect, but a wonderful place. Hey, it is this week. I just checked it. Calvarybible.com slash this week for your mobile bulletin. Perfect. That's Tim, good. Tim Gaskins is going to be like, Jay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Right. So we've talked about it a couple times now. We have uh, been going through First Thessalonians. We have just completed our series through First Thessalonians. So I wanted to spend just a little bit of time as we have been going kind of week by week looking what was God teaching us uh, this past Sunday in particular, which is good for a podcast like this where we want to do exactly that. But just want to spend just a little bit of time asking this question. Hope you guys as well are asking yourself this question. What has God taught you through this series? What is something that, that you are walking away from this market up in First Thessalonians uh, that you are just holding on to as, as truth that God has taught you? Jay, I want to ask you that question. What's something that God has taught you through this series? Yeah, man, it's been such a great series. Uh, we do these market ups occasionally at Calvary uh, more consistently than occasionally, but um, I really have enjoyed, it just seems like First Thessalonians was perfect for our season. I think one of my favorite things that God taught me has to do with probably one of Thomas's final preaches before sabbatical where he was in First Thessalonians 4, and he talked a lot about uh, what verse 1 says, and I'll read it for you, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. And Thomas talked about what is our aim. And it was a great refresher for me, my heart, to think about what is my aim. Like every day that I wake up, what am I aiming for? You know, and I, when you think of aim, I always, I don't know why, but I always think of uh, bows and arrows and targets. And, you know, we talk about the definition of sin is to miss the mark. Is mm-hmm. that has that sort of archery term to it. But I think our aim is to hit the bullseye to line up every day what God wants us to do, not because we just ought to do it, but because he's inviting us into a better life. And yeah. I think um, just this, that we to please God, our aim is to please. And Thomas did a great job that week talking about, you know, um, we all we all aim to please someone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't, li- you don't live your life not pleasing anyone. You you aim to either please yourself, please your boss, please your family, what whoever it is. And it was just a great Sunday to just remind myself, like, my aim is to please God. And I've been thinking about that and praying about that and uh, chewing on it a lot lately. So yeah. that's probably my favorite highlight from the text. So what about you? You've been preaching. You're, you know, this is your first preach through the Market Up series. Yeah. I know it's a daunting thing to be the preacher and to like walk through texts like this. But what are some of the big nuggets or the big themes for you that have just sunk into your heart and produced something? Yeah, so so much in this in this letter that's that's good. So grateful for the opportunity to get to spend so much time in it. But 
man, I just could not walk away with any other conclusion than Paul, Silas, and Timothy mm. loved these Thessalonians. Mm. Uh, I, I think back to the end of chapter 2 and into, into uh, chapter 3, just the adjectives that we get, uh, therefore, in, in 3.1, when we could uh, bear it no longer, could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind to, to hear about who you were, uh, how you were doing. Uh, before that, end of chapter 2, we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Like, Oh, well, these are words on a page, but you can just see the love and care that these three men had for this church. It just, it, it was so impactful for me of, of the constant reminder that it's, we're, we're in the business of people and, and it's, we do these things. We're in these jobs uh, because God has called us here, yes, but because God has placed people in our lives that we just, we have no other reaction than than to love them. That when we aren't around them, uh, we can bear it no longer. We, we desire to be around them with a great desire. Uh, I hope we don't let those adjectives uh, slip, slip out of mind on this, but there is so much passion and joy that comes from it. In fact, he says that in uh, 2.19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. These three men were great leaders to this church, and their leadership came. They're, they were able to be those leaders because of their deep love, because of their character, because of their affection, because of who they were to these people. Yeah, that's a great reminder. It's amazing that this this these letters, well, first Thessalonians, let's talk about that is like one of the earliest mm-hmm. letters to any churches that we got our hands on, we can read. And it's just amazing that you just see like, oh man, Paul and Silas and Timothy, we we get the joy of just seeing sort of the behind the scenes of what they're doing, how they're doing it and why they're doing it so early in their ministries, you know, and um, I think it's really fun to place this sort of in the great Paul missionary journeys and Mm. when did he write it? Where was he? And it just gives you a great uh, appreciation for this man and these men, their lives being for the gospel, aiming to please God and to really um, do it well, you know, not doing it out of obligation, but, just deep desire to see people's lives transformed for the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was struck with it uh, this week in particular because it seems to be the motivator for the passage that we had this past week, at least in the first part of it. So these three men, Paul, Silas, and Timothy love this church. And as leaders there, that was the driving force for everything that they did. And then we get to uh, this last little bit in First Thessalonians 5, 12, and the first part of 13, where it instructs the leaders of the church of how they are to act. And throughout this entire letter, uh, Paul, uh, I think you said it a couple weeks ago, Paul uh, isn't asking the Thessalonians to go to a place that he isn't willing to go. That's right. Yeah, and so we see this in... Uh, 
to work diligent uh, to work diligently as he's talked about before this is modeling what Paul Silas and Timothy did in their midst this is uh, living a life uh, that is influential well that life is modeled to them by Paul Silas and Timothy so everything inside of this it's not asking uh, it's not that sentence uh, do as I say not as I do like right. that doesn't exist for Paul right uh, he is modeling this to them the entire step of the way at giving them the example to follow. And the example is good because he's fallen off of, off of Jesus example. You, you said that you uh, were thinking through uh, Philippians two earlier and, and that's uh, on the topic of humility. That's, that's what we have going on there. Right. Right. Totally. And it's the great reminder that Paul gives another church that just be like-minded like Christ who humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And, that's just a great reminder. You know, I think of John uh, 13 washing the disciples' feet, you mm-hmm. know, and um, just the beauty of even the Savior of the world, even God himself would take out his outer garment, take the nature of a servant, and wash his friend's feet. It's just a great reminder that the Christianity is not about power plays. It's not about, even though it's hockey season, mm-hmm. uh, we have to talk about the abs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's not a really, you know, it's not a power grab. It's not about political influence. It's not about, um, you know, I'm in charge. You should listen to me. But it's about humility and it's about taking the very nature of a servant. And, you know, to be honest, when we think about great leaders, um, those ones that are really transformational in our lives, they are these people that slowly in humility sowed some seeds that really changed us, changed our hearts. Yeah, that's good. And that's what we see in in, uh, chapter five, verse 12. It says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So uh, in this passage, uh, we talked about it on the Thornton campus. We, we see kind of two reactions. Yeah. We see uh, in this entire section is, is, the last words to the church to continue being that church of influence that we read about in chapter one, verse seven, continue doing that uh, by building into the relationships that we see in the church, relationships with leaders, relationships with each other and relationships with God. And so on this part, under the topic of leaders, there's how we are, uh, how leaders relate to us and how we are to relate to leaders right. um, for the what it talks about at leaders, it's really interesting. It doesn't say the word leader in this passage. Uh, it doesn't say uh, elders. It doesn't say minister. It's This entire section is not about a position, but it's the character and attributes that are to be found within a leader, like we talked about, that are found in Paul, Silas, Timothy, as they're following the example set by Jesus. So from that example given to us, what are leaders supposed to do? They're supposed to labor. They're supposed to be over. They're supposed to admonish. Mm. So labor, this is that hard, diligent work that's being done to be a good steward of the position that God has placed people in. Being mm. over, uh, this has a sense to us, uh, can be domineering, can be a position of authority in an org chart. It's someone who's who's more uh, towards the top than, than those who are in the bottom. But that's not what's going on here. This is being over in more of a, uh, protectorate sense. Uh, I kept thinking of like a tent for some reason. Mm. So uh, a, good. a tent isn't dominating over us, but it certainly is over us. And in doing that is sheltering us from the elements. Yeah. Can I add a verse here? Yeah. Hebrews 13, 17 says, 
Obey your leaders and be subject to them, for they are keep, keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account someday. Yeah. And I think that's a great reminder when we tell over you. It's not because they're in charge and you just let them submit. They're in charge because God has put them there and that he's going to hold them at a different accountability than even you and your personal walk. Yeah, that that's right. And the last one is admonish you. I'm uh, just going to say quickly to spur on to holiness because I want to land on that point that you were making. Uh, it, it, I, this is probably uh, a little bit of honesty. This was the past, the verse that made me the most uncomfortable about preaching out of in this entire book. And we had that verses about end times. Uh, there's even stuff in this passage that's a little bit weird. It, just because it can come off as a little bit weird. Like I, yeah. I have a leadership position in the church. You have a leadership in the position of the church. So it, it can come off as uh, like, oh, you got here is uh, here's verses about leaders and how you're supposed to act towards leaders. Yeah. But it's verses like that one in uh, verses about the, of how no one should uh, not everyone should aspire to be a teacher for the, the uh, more rigorous standard to which they'll be judged. Cause what's going on here is, is exactly that it's, those who are in leadership positions must be identified by these things. Mm -hmm. The summary statement I had for verse 12 is they must be diligently working to care and to guide the church. Right. And if someone isn't doing those things, if, if my life isn't a diligently working to care and guide for, for people of Calvary, then I'm not, I'm not a leader. Right. And, and I shouldn't be in that position because God calls leaders and if I'm not leading a way that God calls to, we have to wonder if I've been called to it. Right. And so these, I, I felt uneasy about this uh, because we'll get to how people are to relate to leaders in a bit. Uh, and so it just kind of felt awkward to be like, hey, this is how you guys should treat me as pastor of Calvary <laughs> Thornton. Uh, but then the awkwardness came on the other side of like, oh man, the calling is huge. Right. And it's, uh, and so I, candidly ask, ask Calvary Thornton to hold me accountable to it. If my life is not defined by diligently working to care and guide for others, then I'm not a leader as, as, uh, as is defined for the church. Yeah. A really practical step for you and us as Calvary is a great reminder here is to go to calvarybible.com slash staff and click on and make sure you have the names of those who are leading Calvary at a high level and at a medium level and a low level too. Um, Cause we need your prayers mm -hmm. as a congregation because you know, you go over there and find the elders, their pictures are up there. Their names are up there. Pray for Tom because these men is especially those in those positions um, continue to need the spirit of God to humble and to shape and to teach them how to continue to labor and they're great men, and I I love each one of them. I think they're, it's amazing. I think Calvary is not perfect, like we always say. I think it's a really great church, and because of our great leaders like Tom, our lead team, our elders, our our people that when you come to this pastors, you're like, yeah, that's that's them right now. That's yeah. that's what they're doing, and we got to pray for that as a congregation. You know, as members and attendees, pray for these leaders that. Uh, they continue in that diligent work yeah. and are laboring in such a way that spirit-filled, intentional 
with the mind of Christ of serving and to loving us. And I think everything you said right there is is what's captured in in verse 13. So those who are leading as God calls to be led, uh, we esteem them and we mm-hmm. love them. We respect them and we love them. And he gave so many practical ways of how to do that. But what's important to talk about as well as we get into verse 14, that it's not just leaders who are doing the work of the church. Uh, we get to verse 14, which says, we urge you brothers... This phrase is used 19 times. Uh, we talk about how... Well, that's uh, super interesting. 19 times through the book of First Thessalonians? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. I learned that from Barry. Cool. Uh, uh, so, and then it's a masculine plural, which in a lot of other languages does it, it captures both genders. Mm-hmm. So, um, talked about a couple of weeks ago in uh, Spanish, you have eos, uh, which isn't just men. It could be men and women. Uh, in French, you have il. Um, uh, mm. which uh, is also men and women. And the same thing's going on here. So it's not just the dudes who are part of this church. It's the brothers and the sisters. And so verse 14 is, in, is t- uh, sent to those people to admonish the idle, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And it keeps going on from there. So the leaders have this standard that they're held to, mm-hmm. but all people within the church are working. I, I use this phrase, the church needs the church to be the church. That's good. And let me explain it though, because uh, I'm, I'm repeating the phrase a lot. Yeah. So the church, so the gathering of the people needs the church, those who make up that gathering to be the church, which is to fulfill what God is calling the church to do. Church needs the church to be the church. That's the brothers and sisters. That's all of us working together. Uh, and this is what I love about Calvary as well. Like we put such a huge influence on uh, empowering leaders to right. where we have an excellent staff and yet our staff is dwarfed numerically by the leaders who aren't on staff. That's right. And I think that's the mark of a good church. It's it's We're trying to recognize that it's not just those who are pastors or directors or coordinators or interns or other any other roles that we have who are doing the work of the church, who are caring for the people of the church. No, it's all of us. Right. It's all of us are, are doing this work because we see that's what God is calling us to do. Yeah, I saw this really well the last year. I had a front row seat to actually these leaders who you would never be on staff at Calvary who led in such an incredible way, especially through the home group season. You know, we ask people of Calvary, our faithful leaders at Calvary, to step into a season super unfamiliar and gather within the home and be the Sunday morning gathering for Calvary. And, Zach, I can't tell you, I'm still, I feel like God has this, this doesn't happen very often in ministry, but I'm seeing the fruit of it in ways that I've never seen before. And it's not because it's not what I produce. It's actually, I hear these stories every day. I've been hearing stories probably for the last two months about what God accomplished in this season and how he used the Calvary leaders, those who dwarf the staff, who carry this big load of connecting um, God and man, God and their neighbor, God and the 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 stories of these neighborhoods and small groups and all this thing under home group this last season. And God was just at work and God was doing something super big among people at Calvary that no other time and place I don't think we would ever gotten to see this extravagant 
um, heavy lifting. Mm. And I'm, I'm blown away what God did through you, the Calvary listener, through your experience in home groups and how you were just faithful to what God was calling Calvary to be the church in a really unfamiliar season. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm just thinking about them when I'm reading this passage. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about home group leaders. I'm like, yeah. this is them. We're at, they're they're living this text, and it's amazing to me. Yeah, I love that. So glad we get to celebrate them. So glad that we get to uh, continue to provide opportunities as well. That that uh, there are can there are still more ways that we can bring all of us together, those on staff and those who are not to fulfill the call and mission that God has given us. Yeah, man. And that's first Thessalonians. We've, we've done it. We've finished it. We've reached the end and now we never have to read it again. <laughs> I'm sure we will be back to first Thessalonians someday. Yes. Sooner than later. <laughs> yes. And of course, uh, being a little bit silly there, especially with this uh, series that we have coming up, uh, we have this this series uh, calling it Summer Playlist, where we are looking at those passages that we just have on repeat, yeah. uh, that we just keep coming back to in times of comfort. So, I mean, just in the few weeks that I've been on this podcast, we've we've talked about Philippians two a handful of times. Yeah. Uh, we we there there are so many key verses and key passages that we come to, like Psalm one, yeah. Romans eight. That's right. It's going to be Galatians 3, I think, is on that list. Yep. I, it's pretty cool to see all these great passages. Yes. And it, we're not saying that these are better or yeah. or anything else, but it's just we constantly, uh, C.S. Lewis once said that the mark, uh, I'm butchering the statement, the mark of a good reader is someone who keeps returning to the same book over oh, and over again. Yeah. And, and that's how we want to read our Bible. We want to constantly go back to it to glean the truths, recognizing that we can never fully plumb the depths of what God has for us in these passages. So that's where joking about first Thessalonians, we'll need to constantly come back to it to continue to relearn, to continue to be reminded, to continue to recall the things that we are taught here. That's why we want to look back at the start of this podcast. That's why we always want to be marked by returning back to what God has taught us before, because we need those truths. We need to be reminded since we are people who can be short-sighted, we can lose focus, we can get distracted by other things. And so we want to keep returning. I'm glad that we got this series where we get that chance to do that for other passages as well. Yeah, Calvary, buckle up. This is going to be a great summer at Calvary. God's not done with us. He might have done some great things in 2020 and the early year year of 2021, but he's not done with us. He's prepping the ground. He's preparing um, some great opportunities for you to jump in, see what God's doing in our midst, what he's going to do in the future here at Calvary. Summer playlist is coming. It's going to be a blast that... The uh, graphics is pretty fun, too. Oh, yeah. I liked it. I like it. I saw a sneak peek of that recently. I was like, yep. oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a great summer here at Calvary. Hey, just to leave you today with a word from First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Paul says this to us. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is called, sorry, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He surely will. Man, what a great reminder to us as we live our lives this Tuesday after finishing up First Thessalonians. Zach, any final words for us today? Um, pineapple. <laughs> pineapple it is, my friend. 
My favorite fruit in the whole world is pineapple. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. Hey, Calvary, we love you. Thanks for listening. Like always, hit us up at the weekly at calvarybible.com with your questions. We love your comments, your questions. Also, you can hit up Zach on the Thornton campus, me on the Erie campus, and anyone in Boulder, Perry, John, they would love to hear about what you're learning from the weekly. Talk to you very soon, my friend. See you, Zach. See ya.